I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello here and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washhead, Stephen Sipple, and guys, I knew this day would come eventually. Um, with the growth and popularity of the Husker Online YouTube channel. Um, the Husker Online show is now no longer exclusive to radio. We are streaming as well, um, recording as well for the Husker Online YouTube page. So show number one of the Husker Online show uh, on the YouTube channel. We've been around doing the show eight years. So uh, kind of a monumental show, gentlemen, and um, we're going to have some fun with it. Yeah, you know, Sipple gets here and people just want to see his face. And so changing the dynamics of... Our entire operation. Good job. Yeah, Steve. I mean, when you look like Robert Redford, like me, <laughs> they want you on camera. Absolutely. Right? You can't hide that hide right. that mug. I wouldn't expect you to hide it. I'm surprised we didn't do this right away. Well, this is the segment, guys, we call opening headlines and, and a lot of headlines to cover for Nebraska this week. And first and foremost, and you wrote this sip and we talked about it all week, just the wave of emotion this has been for, especially if you're a Nebraska fan following this closely, Wednesday, they get Walter Rouse. Um, you know, a couple of days before that, the day before that, it felt like they were going to get Mike and Mazuka. He picked Florida. Walter Rouse picked Stanford. Okay, crisis averted. Then Saturday, all of a sudden, he switches his um, decision to Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And, and this is kind of just the world we're in now. The transfer portal, NIL, all these elements. There's going to be a lot more situations like we saw with Walter Rouse. Yeah, Walter Rouse on Saturday. It was Saturday morning, late Saturday morning, and I would say it was a jolt. Like it was a, it knocked people off their horse, you know. Um, and yeah, he had committed to. I mean, we'll say committed. I guess is that what you say about transfer portal guys? Well, he, yeah, he, yeah, he pledged to Nebraska yeah. on Wednesday night. Wednesday night, and he had a, you know, Nebraska made the graphic, and he was talking. He was using we, you know, like. We he did several interviews. We feel mm-hmm. disrespected, um, and we're going to prove people we're going to prove people wrong. That was Wednesday night, and then sat like sat, it was Saturday morning. It was I just happened to be at my computer, Sean, which doesn't happen very often. But the and but there it was. But there it was, um, and it was a, to me it was a jolt. I mean, I thought there's your left tackle, mm-hmm. you know. And there was a time when we thought there's your left tackle. Michael Mazuka, there's your there's a guard, maybe your left guard, and then you know they still have Ben Scott, uh, but remove two of those, and you still got work to do. Probably finding an alignment or two, mm-hmm. right? I think that kind of showcases the nature not just of portal recruiting, but recruiting at certain positions. Left tackles are as valuable of a commodity as you're going to find on the portal market, especially one of that caliber, and so. I mean, it was surprising, but I think this is something that you're going to have to get used to, especially at those primary positions, yeah. left tackle, pass rusher, quarterback. You know, those those marquee transfer spots that every team in the country is looking to fill. Um, you know, a verbal commitment only means so much, and this is a clear showcase of, of exactly that. January 23rd is a big day, right, guys? Yes, it is. Because that's when classes start. But they can still go five days into the week, so it's really the 30th. Because you, oh great! Um, I mean, <laughs> that's wonderful, Sean. It, it's like uh, UNL has added this bridge program, and like a you can take a mini class in December, January, mm-hmm. and it's a it, the semester starts way later than it used to, mm-hmm. and it's because of this. But it actually helps the football program because they're able to maybe kind of pick through the transfer market and get a guy in later. So not only do they have all of um, next, they had this week still, and then really all of next week, if they wanted to, they could get a guy in as late as the 30th. 
Okay. So that's yeah. something to watch. But also, a guy could yeah, bow you out. Yeah, lose a guy as late as the third. Well, the portal, the portal closed on Wednesday at midnight. So okay. Okay. Um, unless you're a graduate transfer. Mm. Oh, um, you have nowhere to go then. And then the next portal date, they changed it. It was May 1 still, to May 15th. Yeah. The next portal window is April 15th to April 30th. Well, but they could... It, theoretically, they could still go somewhere else as long as their class, th- that that other school's class schedule matched up, right? Right. Like if it's they have to be in the portal, like a Pac-12 school. Yeah, but you ha- the portal. You have to be entered in the portal by Wednesday of this week. Um, the deadline. You know, okay, but I'm talking about a, a case like Sean. I'm talking about a case like Rouse, where he didn't have to go back into portal to go to Oklahoma. No, that's you, what I'm saying. Because you sign like a, a non-binding scholarship agreement and it's not official mm-hmm. until you come in and do some sort that's, of that's that's what i'm talking that's what rob's mm-hmm. talking you have to about. do an informal like alabama would do a zoom meeting with guys i heard and that zoom meeting counts as an informal workout you're official at that point. oh okay yeah schools should do that that's good that's well that's like smart the big red collaborative they announced not big red collab um 1890 Collective, they announced Ben Scott as a signee this week because mm-hmm. he's official. He's been going through workouts. He's done stuff. Mm-hmm. So Ben Scott, the Arizona State offensive lineman, is official because he's gone through things with Nebraska. Yeah, once you want to bring like Rouse into the weight room, show him the weight room, say, hey, do a few curls there. And there there's your workout. You're you're good. <laughs> let's have a meeting. <laughs> Try out these dumbbells. Are they different? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we yeah, yeah, do that. Okay, we let's, let's get on to the next uh, yeah, headline. Sorry, it, uh, the wave of, of emotion. MJ Sherman. Um, this is a guy that won a national championship the week before. Went in the portal, um, and Nebraska jumped on MJ Sherman, a former five-star pass rusher, right away. Mm-hmm. Got him to commit. He's on his way to Lincoln as we speak. He'll be in classes Monday. This is as maybe. I mean, it's it. You know, I think you're going to want to compare this to O'Shawn Mathis, like the body of work when it's all said and done. Will MJ Sherman give Nebraska more impact than what O'Shawn Mathis did a year ago? Mm-hmm. And I know that there was some reaction it's like what's the difference between this and like a Tyreek Johnson you know a former five-star from Ohio State Mm -hmm. transfers to Nebraska everybody thinks he's a plug-and-play starter from day one like he's gonna immediately be a lockdown number one corner I don't know if he's played a single snap or at least a meaningful snap since he's been here so uh, that I guess I'm sure there's a difference here and maybe Sean you can speak more to this about I can speak to it yeah so uh, like that I know that there's probably a little bit of hesitation with some Nebraska fans about this stuff is just because they've been burned in the past and getting their hopes up set on a guy that has this lofty recruiting profile comes from a prestigious championship level program and then comes to Nebraska and doesn't do anything. Yeah. I mean, I think for Nebraska fans, I think just not Nebraska fans. I think this is probably everywhere that it's okay to have a little bit more halting optimism, yeah. not just, just over. <laughs> with like everything in life. Yeah. Just have more yeah. halting optimism. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, we definitely <laughs> counsel people to not be overly optimistic about anything at this point. Um, I, I, I do think, you know what? The MJ Sherman conversation is a, is a lot of pros and their cons. The, I'd say the pros are he comes from the most successful program in the country right now, back-to-back national championships. He was part of that incredible culture. If you ever read about Georgia and what Kirby Smart's done there, for instance, their Bloody Tuesday practices where they it's full-on ones versus ones and twos versus twos but it's full-on scrimmage all practice no special teams no special situations no five-minute breaks nothing just full-on and it's they, they call it bloody Tuesday for a reason he he'll be ready for anything that Nebraska throws at him he was a very willing special teams player um but he was also he also had some injury issues mm-hmm. and lost some explosiveness and wasn't able to – I mean, guys passed him, and then they recruited over him. So there's a reason he was in the portal. So now what you hope if you're a Nebraska fan is that he sort of resets his career and finds a groove. Right, Sean? And what we talked about on the radio earlier today, Sip, you and I, it, it, he's almost like being a running back at Nebraska in the 90s. Yeah. That's I mean, a good analogy. The edge position at Georgia mm-hmm. is like the Nebraska running back position under Tom Osborne in the 90s. Every one of those guys could probably start for over 100 other schools. And I think MJ Sherman's that kind of player. Um, one of my close friends I, that covers Georgia really and has an insight on that team, he's familiar with Chief Borders as well, who's coming here from Florida. Mm-hmm. And he said, Sean, 
he is 10 times, and MJ Sherman is 10 times the player of Chief Borders. Well, I wonder what Chief Borders would say about that. Yeah. I, now, <laughs> but in terms of talent, yeah, in terms I, of ability and talent, he, he was familiar with both guys. That's interesting. Now, I do like your running back's analogy. I don't want to push it too far because George Sean wasn't a great – now, this, we're talking about an outside linebacker is what his position, MJ Sherman's position was at Georgia. They weren't a great pass rush team. Well, uh, oddly saw enough. a lot of quick game and three-step drop, though. True. And, yeah, and, good point. You know, when you're playing Georgia, that's you good, game plan for that. Yeah. You're like, we're not going to put our guy back there. It's like, remember Nebraska when they played South Carolina in that bowl game and they had those two NFL um, first-round DN. It was a clowny and – and, um, and the guy that went to San Diego. They had two first-rounders on the edge, and Tim Beck was like, yeah, they look like two drag racers coming off the That's edge. right. I mean, that, I remember that, was, that comment. You're right. Sean. That was Georgia. I mean, they, they have that kind of ability, and so you're not going to put your quarterback in five-step very often, are you? Probably not, and you're right. I mean, they were – they were four, Georgia was 48th nationally in average sacks per game, 2.33, which isn't bad. I mean, it's not bad. It's just not elite. Melvin right? Ingram. Oh, That's the guy. Say again. Melvin Ingram. They had Ingram and Clowney? Yes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Nebraska should have won that game, if we're being honest. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. They Well, they they t- they scored that late Hail Mary touchdown before first half was over. Nebraska had control of that game. Yeah, and they had that big receiver. Who was that big receiver for South Carolina? Played, played for, the, for Bears. the Bears. Yeah. Sure. Come on, Robin, you are the NFL. Alfonso Dinnard got in a punching battle with him. Remember that? I was actually just looking that up right now. Oh, <laughs> Do they have Debo Samuel, too? Oh, God. <laughs> I'm just looking at their roster right now. What a bunch of freaks. Oh, Nebraska should have won that yeah, game, I know. guys. That's Spurrier. That's the Spurrier recruiting match. What year was that? Anyway. It was 12, 12 2012 okay. or twenty. All right, yeah. you're listening here to the Husker Online Show. As we wrap up opening headlines, I also just want to hit on this. Winter workouts started this week at Nebraska. Uh, the team meeting was on Sunday, and I thought this was pretty cool. Um, they had a uh, team meeting with all the players, but before that – Coach Rule and the staff hosted an optional player kind of meet and greet event mm-hmm. uh, where they could get a chance to meet the coaching staff as well. And, I mean, little stuff like that matters because, you know, these parents are giving their sons up to play for Nebraska and um, they want to meet these coaches too. So I, th- I thought that was kind of a cool thing that they did. Uh, but then they had a, a catered meal with Mary Ellen's. I think it was Mary Ellen's, one of your uh, radio sponsors, Sip, mm. uh, did the meal for the team. and Barbecue. Um, and they got back to work. Uh, they, they're in the weight room right now working – um, so it, it will be interesting to kind of see what these eight weeks now bring of winter conditioning. Absolutely. It's a huge time. I mean, you know what? It's a huge time for established. I mean, there's a lot. I mean, obviously, there's just a pure getting in shape part of it or staying in shape. And then there's the culture element. Mm-hmm. They're getting used to a whole new way of doing things, not only how they work out, but culturally. What's said, language. I mean, it's. It's got to, it's, just as critical as anything they do physically. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys, when we come back, uh, we're going to talk more about Isaiah Garcia Castaneda coming back to the team as well as Xavier Betts. Um, more roster movement. Uh, lots of players coming in, coming out. We'll break all of that down next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Robin Washett. Uh, thank you again to all our listeners across the state on various affiliates, as well as all the great downloads we receive every week on anywhere you can find podcasts. But now we are also uh, on YouTube. So you can, uh, if you want to just see what Steve Sipple looks like well, today, you can watch us on YouTube. Right, Sip? Yeah, I mean, I would think people want that. <laughs> but At your own risk. <laughs> want to talk about some more roster stuff, but before I get to that. Halloween ideas. <laughs> sorry. All right, sorry, Sean. Before I get to that, this segment of the show is brought to you by Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill, 30th and Yankee Hill Road. Also, their neighbor next door, Tavern 180. I had dinner there Friday night. It was outstanding. I, I, I went back with the Wagyu. Um, Did you? Yes. You went with the Wagyu steak? Every time now. Mm. I'm, it, hmm. it is 
uh, asparagus risotto, Wagyu steak. That's Outstanding. Serious. That's Let's serious. Let's go. Let's Tavern one eighty. Good to be king. But go <laughs> go into Tanner's <laughs> next door as well. Watch games. Yeah, simple. We need to get you on some Tanner's wings one of these days. Yeah, you need to get me some more money. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, get a, you're listening here to the Oscar Line Show. Let's get into um, the other headlines here of the week. Wide receivers Xavier Betts and Isaiah Garcia Castaneda coming back to the program. Each one of these things Man. a little bit different when you kind of break down the scenario of, of what happened. Xavier Betts left the program in March of 2022, has not been around the program academically. We don't know what he's been doing this last year, um, but I think he went on the portal. Uh, a day or two later, Nebraska reached out to him and said, we'd work on getting you back here if you want to come back. So he decided to come back instead of taking a visit to Pittsburgh. Um, he had that call already on his, you know, the number of teams wanted him. So he is back, and I saw a video of him at the People City's Mission with the team. He's with the team, but he's got a lot of coursework. Then Isaiah Garcia Castaneda, mm-hmm. who I felt like kind of got at odds with Mickey Joseph. When you go back to the end of the year or the beginning of the year when he left the program, they kind of got into it. Um, about playing time, and Mickey basically said, yep, he, he's not as good as Trey Palmer. You know, he got beat out and said that when, when Isaiah went on the transfer portal and Isaiah's dad at that time, you know, he had a couple comments on Twitter, if you remember. So I always felt like that was a situation where he just didn't really feel on the same page as Mickey Joseph. Now he's coming back. Now that leads to the question of, you know, obviously there's two surprising development. Which one's more surprising for me? It's Garcia Castaneda, just because I always felt, I mean, obviously Xavier Betts was dealing with whatever he was dealing with that led him to step away from football, but I always felt the door was relatively left open there and that, you know, there was always a a slight chance that 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 could come back around, whereas, you know, Isaiah left in the middle of the season, you know, I mean, he he left October 11th, left on his guy, and, you know, it it's been three months, you know, just out of nowhere, pops up back on the radar, says withdrawn from the portal, and he's immediately back with the team going to, uh, you know, whatever, an event at the city. So the, the legal situation of Betts didn't do anything? I mean, that didn't I mean, wouldn't that, I mean, that, when that happened, I'm like, man, he may never play football again. Oh, no, it was pretty minor. But but still. Failure to appear. The headline yeah. of it. I mean, I'm not advocating it, but it's yeah. not. That doesn't take you out of. No, but. I mean, they're both, again, they're both surprising, but I just thought that the door was slammed shut on Castaneda, where I thought that there was still a slight chance, but still a chance that Betts could come back if if everything worked out accordingly. It's a need conversation, right? It's a need conversation. Nebraska needs receivers. It, it's probably not happening unless the need is pretty significant, right? You need these guys. They're, pro- they're both proven. You don't, you don't have a lot of proven receivers in your room. These guys are both proven at a high level. And Xavier, of course, I think Xavier, he had 32 catches at Nebraska over two seasons. Yeah, 32 catches over, over two seasons at Nebraska. He's a very explosive player. Garcia Castaneda mainly proven at New Mexico State, but proven all the same. Um, and Nebraska needs it. I mean, who you have Billy Kemp is proven. Marcus Washington is proven. Alante Josh Brown. Leaks. Alante Brown has proven. Joshua Fleeks has proven. After that, Brody Bell. Uh, is Brody some, Bell back? Well, I thought he was coming back. He's, he was only a junior. He was a junior, Sean. Did he walk at senior day, though? Ah, okay, maybe he's not coming back. But what does that mean? Yeah. Yeah, but Colt <laughs> Fee started and he's not coming back. And yeah. he had a year. I mean, I thought Brody Bell was coming back. Maybe not. Anyway, Wyatt Lever. Is he back? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. He was at senior day, too. I, I, I just Some of those guys did four or five years. I mean, Brody Bell. This would be a six-year for him, right? He's eligible to come back. But anyway, yeah, you just don't have a lot of proven players. So it's I, to me, Rob, it's a need discussion. And they needed him. There's four freshmen they signed, Robin. Uh, Malachi Coleman, Jaden Doss, Bryce Turner, Jalen Lloyd. Two transfers, Josh Fleeks and Billy Kemp. Mm-hmm. Then you bring Isaiah Garcia-Castaneda and Xavier Betts back. Um, that's eight. And they're bringing in two more high school receiver recruits this weekend mm-hmm. that they would probably take. So it leads you to believe, like, or question, the middle of that group, Janiron Bonner, Victor Jones, Sean Hardy, Tommy Hill. Ty Hahn. Ty Hahn. He's a walk-on. I'm, I'm just going off the scholarship. He's got a scholarship now. Does he? Yeah. I think, <laughs> I think I'm not breaking news I, there. No, he's, thought... he's on an NIL scholarship. Okay. okay. He's not on the actual 85. Oh, he's not. He, he gets an NIL agreement okay. is, is my understanding. All right. 
So um, that, he's in a group, though. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a group of people in the middle that when you see what they're bringing in, you just wonder about their futures. Mm-hmm. And for for the record, no Brody Belt, oh. no Wyatt Lever on the official Nebraska roster. Oh my which, bad, on which that. is updated now with Betts and Isaiah Garcia Castaneda. Okay. So, no Belt, no Lever. No Belt, no Lever. But uh, I only said that. My bad, because they did have eligibility. We try to do our research on this show, Steve Sipple. <laughs> <laughs> just no, for the record. Uh, you should take me to task. So with I'm not all looks. So like, wh- where do these guys plug in now? I mean, obviously we got to figure out where they are from a conditioning standpoint. I mean, yeah, both those guys have spent a lot of time away from Big Ten level practices, strength, conditioning, nutrition, all that stuff. So how much catching up do they have to do? But I think from a raw talent standpoint, you could probably make the case that either one of those guys could push to be in the rotation, if not Start. push for a starting job Start, at this yeah. point. I mean, Isaiah Gar- Carstaneda led the team in receiving against Northwestern. I mean, like, he was their number one guy in that opener in Ireland. Mm-hmm. And then for what he had the two fumbles, which I think kind of got him out of favor with Mickey Joseph and then, you know, the story the rest of his history. And one but, wasn't really a fumble. It was, yeah, it, was, it shouldn't have been. He was down. They ruled it a fumble. Yeah, in Ireland, right. So, I mean, he's, he's proven he can produce at the Big Ten level. So I think he's immediately in the – <laughs> firmly in the mix of that conversation, depending on where he is just with his conditioning and, and how much catching up he has to do from a football standpoint. Well, Betts is the most talented guy in the group. You think so? Yeah. I, I mean, he's got a – More than what's Kemp? Bet, what bet, yeah, I think he's more talented. Yeah, he's definitely, more than Washington? Yeah, he's faster, bigger. Um, I mean, did you look at his numbers from the Nike opening around yeah. when he was in high school? I mean, yeah. He, he's a freak. Yeah, Rob, Xavier right. Betts is right. – uh, is a better pure athlete than any of anybody in the room. He okay. produced the longest run at Nebraska since 2012, that Northwestern game on the option play. Mm-hmm. That run that he had was the longest run in 10 years in Nebraska. Well, and Betts' Betts's issues, I don't think are they weren't monumental. They were it was it was just well, depending on how you want to think about it, they it was just commitment to this to a very grinding sport. He didn't respond well to Mickey for whatever reason either, did he? Well, well you know Mickey. Mickey doesn't – if you play for Mickey, you better be all in. He's not going to coddle you. Yeah, he's not going to coddle you. you got to be all in. Um, and Xavier, by his own admission, wasn't all in. And Mickey had that great quote in the spring where he said, I looked at film of Xavier in 2021, and he was, he was with you sometimes, and sometimes he wasn't. I can't. He said, "I can't have that. You got to be all. You got to be with me all the time. Mm-hmm. You got to. You got to come to practice all the time. You got to come to play all the time." And Xavier, Xavier, by his own admission, didn't do that, and it's why he left. He did. Mm-hmm. It was a commitment to the sport issue mainly. Guys like Omar Manning and Xavier both were kind of bad fits with Mickey. They just yeah. Didn't Mickey doesn't coddle? No. Um, so yeah, you're right. That's and I'm not saying rules going to or Garrett McGuire. We don't yeah, know. You think Matt rule. Like, I don't think based off everything we heard, he's, that's the last thing he's going to do. Yeah. It's a pretty complicated discussion because you get into the societal issues, but, uh, I don't know. Uh, we'll see how it works. I think those guys got to prove to their teammates too, that they're committed. They walked away. Yeah. I mean, they walked away. No doubt. And some guys, some guys, now some guys will handle that really well in that they'll, they'll be very forgiving. But you know guys, I know guys, women, that aren't as forgiving about that, <laughs> where you walk away. Oh, you're, mm-hmm. you're coming back now? Mm-hmm. You know? You left the family? Yeah, now, so now back. you're coming back? And I think that's a lot especially of an issue for a lot of work. Garcia Castaneda, the fact yeah. that he did it in season. And granted, he was awarded an opportunity. His coach got fired. And, you know, he was looking for another he opportunity. He took his four-game red shirts where he did. Yeah. Yeah, but he left the team. He left the team. And then to come back... That mm-hmm. makes a, a very precarious situation. Well, we can. What can. happened, though, with him and Mickey behind the scenes? Yeah. Well, what Mickey's comment you, that you alluded to on the record was, Sean, was he said, he said Isaiah Garcia Castaneda wanted to be our number one receiver, and we couldn't do that for him. I, I don't know that he – I didn't – I don't – did Isaiah Garcia Castaneda really think he was their number one? That's – I one yeah, well, He wasn't even playing towards right. – I mean, right before he left. Was, was he even a Mickey recruit, though? That's the politics of recruiting mm-hmm. because – he, he was kind of a part of the first portal batch, and Mickey was just getting to Nebraska, uh, but this was not one of his, that was not one of his guys. He had Trey Palmer, he had Decolas Crawford, he had Marcus or he had Washington come in. Mm-hmm. He brought in his own crop of players. True. Um, and Isaiah was not really in that crop. And so I think he fits the rule kind of profile, the speed. Um, I was always told that 
Trey Palmer was the fastest Husker, but Isaiah Garcia was not much further behind really? Trey Palmer's speed. Is that right? Well, look at his yards per catch at New Mexico State. Yeah. I mean, that wasn't a good team he played for, and he had a, a great statistical. I mean, I want to say he was close to 20 yards a catch at New Mexico State. I wonder what his 100 was. I mean, did he run a, a – Palmer ran a 10-2-100. I wonder what, what Garcia Castaneda would run. And Isaiah is a military kid. He grew up military background. So, I mean – Tough kid. Tough kid. So, it will be interesting um, as we wrap up this uh, segment here. Casey Thompson, Nebraska's quarterback, signed with the 1890 Collective. Um, and it's significant in the sense that um, Jeff Sims hasn't signed yet, but they're waiting for classes to start. But they're going to have two high-profile guys sign publicly with this collective. And, you know, we, we saw Casey at the People's City's mission with the team. Obviously, Casey's clearly on board, and he's going to give it hell. And leading the charge for the Casey Thompson campaign is Steve Sipple. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a fairness campaign. I mean, I, I get it. The allure of... Jeff Sims is he's a shiny new toy on campus, but he hasn't he hasn't put in what Casey did. I mean, Casey got hit from three angles against Rutgers, and and you know he about got killed and came out and won the game in the second half. He he's his value was enormous to the team last year, and he took he took a lot of I mean he endured a lot of pain and kept coming. So now this whole idea of People just handing this job to Jeff Sims. Uh-uh, I don't get it. I mean, I saw Heisman odds. Mm-hmm. Somebody put out Heisman odds, and Jeff Sims was on the list, with same as Marvin Harrison, 50-1, to 1, same as uh, DJ um, Ugalay, un, un, yeah. Clemson The Clemson quarterback. quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> same as him. And I'm like, wait, wait a second. Why is Jeff Sims on this list? Where's Casey Thompson? Um, Casey Thompson's dad told us, that Casey thinks of himself as the starter. He was the starter, and he'll come back thinking the same thing. I'm just Sean. I'm just all about fairness in the discussion. That's what. I, that's what I'm. Will about. he get the reps? Well, not in the spring because he had shoulder surgery. I don't think he'll be available for any of the spring. That remains to be seen. What the way Charles Thompson portrayed it to us was, Casey will be able to throw probably midway through the spring, but not not be back for drills. But then he'll get into rhythm for the summer. And that, the summer months, which are important, that's when he'll reenter the race, basically. Yeah, Sims is tied for the lowest odds on the list with plus 4,500. That's up there with like Marvin Harrison Jr. from Ohio State, Nick Singleton, the running back at Penn State, Donovan Edwards, running back in Michigan. So he's, he's in that conversation. Thank you. Rob. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk Nebraska basketball. The Huskers have a big game Saturday at Penn State. Dealing with some injury things as well. We'll get the full report from Robin Washett. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Steve Sippel. Uh, joining you here, um, not only across the state on all of our great affiliates on our uh, podcast channel, but also now on YouTube. So make sure you check out the Husker Line podcast. All different ways we're providing it now on a weekly basis. If you don't want to listen to us, you can also watch us and uh, check out what we have to say. But let's get into Nebraska basketball, Robin. Um, another, and it's, we say this every week, but another big game Saturday. Uh, One fifteen versus Penn State. BTN on the road, and this is not the Penn State we're necessarily used to seeing. No, they are a team that, I mean, they're always difficult. Nebraska always struggles playing out there for whatever reason. There could be 300 people in the stands and whatever Nebraska is going to struggle. So that in itself makes a difficult, difficult game. But, you know, this is a team that's right now in the Ken Palm ratings ranked 38th nationally. They're 12 and six, and they are very much in the conversation for an NCAA tournament bid at this point. And so, um, you know, Nebraska is in a situation where, Every game is so critical for them to cling to their postseason chances. I'm not talking about tournament. I'm talking about any postseason. Just because, you know, they're, they're just walking such a fine line with such little margin for error that any slip-up 
is so costly and every win is so critical. So, um, you know, they're, they've already had a lot of missed opportunities along the way. Um, and now it's not going to get any easier against a Penn state team that, you know, they don't have that, like that big John Harar, you know, the big physical center in the middle, but they've got dudes upon dudes in the backcourt and on the wings led by Jalen Pickett, who in my opinion is a no brainer first team, all big 10 selection. One of the best players in the conference, Seth Lundy's back, a veteran physical guard. So miles dread, who's one of the better perimeter defenders in the country so they're physical yeah i mean they're, they're gonna rough you up and they're gonna play bully ball and so nebraska is gonna try to do its defensive thing well that's what penn state wants to do so going on the road and finding enough offense to stay competitive in that one is going to be critical penn state has form, formed an identity over the mm-hmm. years really mm-hmm. i mean they're always they always correct me if i'm wrong I always turn on the TV, watch Penn State, and I think, man, what, they get some football players off the mm-hmm. There's they get big, some, strong, yeah, big, tough dudes. Strong, shouldered mm-hmm. dudes that can get into paint. And, Just a bunch of Philadelphia and Pittsburgh dudes, Jersey yeah. dudes. That, yeah. New York City. Even. Yeah. They're so, only three or four hours from New York now, City. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nebraska's already got some injury issues. I mean, they're not going to get back. Jawan Gary for oh well, I mean he's just gonna be questionable yeah, for a long time. Indefinite at this point. Yeah. I Gary And he's he's way, probably their toughest dude. That's what I was gonna just I was, yeah. just, I was just gonna say Gary would fit on Penn State. Mm-hmm. He, he if you if people are wondering what we're talking about, Nebraska fans conjure up images of of Gary, Jawan Gary, because that's what that's what he looks like he would fit very well on Penn State, yep. that type of player. Strong, relentless on the glass. Mm-hmm. Not intimidated defensively, you know. Always going to be physical and rough up the other team's, you know, best wing. So um, that I'll say this: there's three guys on Nebraska's roster that, for them to legitimately be competitive in the Big Ten, they cannot afford to lose: Derek Walker, Sam Greasel, and Juwan Gary. And for the time being and foreseeable future, they don't have Juwan Gary. So they have to find a way for other players to step up and try to fill that void collectively. Collectively, there's not one player. That's going to do it. You know, Denham Dawson isn't going to come in and all of a sudden bring what Jawan Gary is. But between him, between rotating in Wilhelm Moore at the four, between uh, Jamarcus Lawrence playing more and who's been playing pretty good defense uh, for a freshman, you know, they have to have everybody, all hands on deck right now and for the rest of the season, especially for however many games Jawan Gary is out. How far is Bandamel outside that conversation of guys you can't? Oh, yeah, he's their best perimeter defender. I mean, so. I'd say four guys. Close. Close. Bannamel's right outside. He's a, he's a he's a small step behind those guys, just because you know he doesn't do a whole lot for him offensively. But you're right. I mean, he's the guy that matches up with the best guard on the team every single night, and especially earlier in the year, he was shutting dudes down mm-hmm. and changing games with his defense. The Creighton game is by far the best example of that. So, um, yeah, he's certainly in that conversation. But as far as like. Nebraska's chances to compete without a player, those are my top three. Bandamel's very much close to that conversation so, for me. For me. So after Penn State, Northwestern at home, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for now. Yeah. <laughs> Northwestern's already canceled two straight games, or not canceled, postponed two straight games. COVID. Due to COVID. What? Yes. Yeah, we're still having COVID. Uh, they, were supposed you, to, they were supposed to play Iowa. That game got postponed. Here? They were supposed to play Wisconsin. Uh, last night, um, Tuesday night, <laughs> Wisconsin said they don't expect to play him on Saturday. Where have I been? Like, I didn't even know they were canceling games for COVID. I didn't even know that was happening. Well, it's anymore. not really. It's happened a handful of times around the country, but this is the first extended, you know, power level team that's had to deal with this. And so I don't know. Maybe it's just Northwest. They've had injuries too. So it's not just like, strictly because of covid they've got guys that apparently have tested positive they also guys that are hurt and they're like right on that fringe of having enough healthy bodies to even be able to to field a roster robin with that how many um guy how many weeks did nebraska miss that one year was it like three four weeks i honestly don't remember i try to block that season out as much as i possibly can but like it's four it, weeks. Was, it, it was it was a month yeah it was a substantial amount of time and they were playing like four games a week <laughs> To, oh, it was terrible. To get caught up. Yeah, they played Maryland back-to-back on the road. Two days in a row? Yes. Or three they, days they, row? they were practicing in a hotel ballroom, yeah. like doing their, like, rehab stuff on, like, a conference So you might have table. Northwestern, then you go to Maryland. Um, it, I'll just tell you, the schedule and the foreseeable future is unrelenting. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the game at Penn State is very much a – it's – 
it's what it's what makes the schedule, particularly the Big Ten schedule, so tough. You're going on a long road trip to play a very tough team. Yeah, it takes a lot, and it they always struggle there. I mean, for whatever one reason. one year they didn't. One year they blew them out. Yeah, they last recently last was year last year. Yeah, blew them out. Blew a pin state out of the. Blue, oh yeah, it was, it was Harar's it was last. Harar was literally crying through the entire second half. I wasn't going to say it was that. Weird. Yes. <laughs> but yes. So anyway, they they can do it. It's just a matter of can Nebraska get enough offense. I mean, that that will define every single game. Yeah, that's and, it. And this brings me to another conversation. You want to talk about the most critical component in that discussion? It's C.J. Wilshire. The amount of minutes that he's playing right now, upwards over thirty a game. They have to get more production out of him. Right now, his shooting is a problem to where, I mean, they, I know they don't have a lot of other options, like what are you gonna, like start Kase Tomanaga, probably not, but he is such a critical piece in that he brings a skill set to the table that hardly anybody else on the roster can, can replicate when he's on. So you look towards last year, he struggled first half of the season, end of the back half shooting around 40% from three. If they can find a way to get that going again, that changes so much for Nebraska's offense. It opens up the paint, makes teams have to guard the perimeter. Sam Griesel can back smaller guards down in the paint. Derek Walker can operate facing up with a hoop a little easier. I mean, everything is better when they have someone that defenses have to respect as a three-point shooter, and C.J. Wiltshire is one of the only options they have shooting, to do that. You guys know basketball. Shooting is very mysterious mm-hmm. because in that, Wiltshire has a beautiful mm-hmm. shot. It does. And then the, the ball looks so good coming out of his hands, but it doesn't go in enough. Nope. Now, when he gets hot, he's, he, he can be lethal. Yeah, he but dropped he, 22 at Indiana. Right. He, he, it look, he, he has a gorgeous shot. Mm-hmm. But it, for some reason, it just doesn't, it hasn't been going in. Yeah, he's he's critical. Yeah. All right, when we come back, we're going to take questions in the mailbag. You'll get to meet Abby Barmore on camera for the first time as she'll join Let's us go. next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Steve Sippel. Let's welcome in Abby Barmore. Welcome, Abby. <laughs> the debut. Hello, everyone. <laughs> I'm trying to make that as awkward and cringy as possible. That was pretty cringy, Accomplished, Sean. yes. Good job. <laughs> Accomplished that. But nice job. This is, if you're not familiar, the mailbag segment. And we bring in Abby Barmore every week on the show. Uh, we take questions from Twitter. We take them from the Red Sea Scrolls. Um, direct messages I receive, and we bring them on the show. We always try to end on something fun and light, uh, but what do you got to start us out of the gates in the mailbag? All right, our first question is from Megan in Omaha. So what are your thoughts on Matt Rule visiting Dylan Rayola first? Not a surprise. Um, I, I thought when the coaches could go out on the road Friday that if Matt Rule didn't go there Friday, that would be a problem. I think when you are the number one player in the country, you become available. And by the way, his brother or his uncle is a coach at Nebraska with you, and his dad played at Nebraska. There's a lot of doors open there for Matt Rule to go out to Chandler, and that's where he was. And I think Nebraska, it's it's a it's a long fight, Sip. You've got good insight on this, but I think Nebraska's in this fight at least. Yeah, and Donovan went out there too. Um, so that was good. And Donovan saw another player or two. Uh, yeah, Nebraska's absolutely in the fight because of a lot of reasons. I'd say foremost is his dad loves it. it I mean, loves Nebraska. You know, everybody has, most people anyway, have an affinity for their alma mater, but Dom's is genuine and very strong and remains very strong. He'll, there's things he'll look for. For instance, he's very adamant about his son getting better all the time, improving daily. And Nebraska's going to have to show that it can mm-hmm. make his son better. No, to, to your point, exactly. Um, in his interview with Chad Simmons, our, our national recruiting writer at On3, mm-hmm. uh, that's exactly what he said. He said, Nebraska's Nebraska. My dad went there, so Nebraska is family to my family. Mm-hmm. Nebraska is special to my family. But I don't know a lot about Coach Rule yet. And I know a lot about the history. And now I want to learn about the new people in the program. So 
Nebraska has a firm foot in the door here. It's clear. Mm-hmm. Dylan has said as much. But uh, now they got to sell the current state of the program and what these current coaches are going to do to make him better and accomplish what he wants to accomplish. Yeah, I think Nebraska's right there. I mean, I, I, I've I said it in Tunnel Talk last week. I got I put Georgia in front, and not. It's based on a couple factors. Georgia was the very first school to offer Dylan, and that means a lot. It means a lot to a lot of people, that, that first offer. But it, and it definitely meant a lot to the Rayola family, that Georgia was first out of the gate. They, and I know, and I hadn't talked to Dominic that much lately about this subject, but I did over the summer talk to him a lot, and they spent a lot of time in Georgia. I mean, they, they, they've been on that campus a lot um, on official visits. Um, they went to the national championship game. Yeah, and Kirby, I would emphasize this. Kirby Smart is is like he's he leads the recruiting on, on Dylan. Kirby is I mean, he makes Kirby Smart makes very clear to Dominic, we want what do we gotta do to get your son here? So yeah, Georgia, I mean, come on, Georgia's two time back to back national champs. That's formidable. All right, what do you got next, Abby? Do you think Nebraska will find another starting offensive lineman before fall camp? It's going to be tough. Um, it's kind of at that point where the good ones have already found a home. And, you know, at this late in the game, you're going to get more of a Hunter Anthony, Kevin Williams type guy in the portal. Um, the the Rouses, the Steens that went to Alabama last year, Ben Scott, Mazuka. Those are the premium USDA prime cuts of meat in the portal. That's the Wagyu steak. Now, now you're now you're shopping at Aldi's right now. Wow! Trying to no find offense, Aldi's. <laughs> they have fine products, Sean. <laughs> well, <laughs> so much for that sponsorship. Do you go? Do you do you go to Aldi's to buy fine steak? No, no, no. You're right, but I I, there's just not. I was trying to come up with one that. No. Didn't it involve fits. late night being in a bar and what's left in the bar. But I didn't think that one would go over as well. No, that's not. Yes, I'm glad that you yes. you strayed Thank away you. from that one. That was good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and again, we talked about in the open too. Like the, the, the offensive line, particularly tackle, are such prime commodities in the portal. And like Sean said, like the ones that are good enough to come in and change the dynamic of your offensive line, they're gone by now. And then. And they got like, NIL deals before. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's always an opportunity for someone to get frustrated with a situation coming out of spring ball. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, the door's not closed right. by any stretch, but as far as, like, this part of the cycle, mm-hmm. uh, pickings are slim right now. you got to wait probably till after spring for that to happen. So, yeah, the portal reopens May 1 and stays open for a limited time till May 15th. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a shot in there, but you're right. It, it becomes a long shot. Yeah. Like, what about an FCS guy? Like, a, like I'm just going to throw out, yeah. like, a Montana or North mm-hmm. Dakota State. Somebody, like, really good at a place like that. And, I mean, this is this is what goes on, though. You get to people that know that people, that kid, mm-hmm. and say, if he wanted to come to this school, he would start and get this much money. All of a sudden, that that's a route that you could see happening a lot in college mm-hmm. football, where sure. a really good FCS player could leave for NIL an opportunity if he's good enough. And well, yeah. Wasn't I Johnny Cornelius? That he was a FCS at Rhode player. Island. Now everybody knew about him. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, there, you know what? There could be a diamond in the rough somewhere that you come across. But again, it just falls under like what, what Rob was saying. It's just a long shot now. Yeah. As far as those Power Five known commodities, known commodities. God, you had level. a couple. You had a couple on the line. You had a couple on your. Uh, on <laughs> you had fishing. one on the they boat and committed. one right outside the boat. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, we. You had one on your boat. What's yeah. funny and, it, is and it flopped off. And it flopped we right back in Mizu- the water. And we thought Mazuka was the more likely one in and didn't have a great feel for Rouse. And then it becomes Rouse, then Mazuka to Baylor or to, to Florida. Florida. Yeah. And then, the, so yeah, that it's it's hard to read. I mean, and I know for fans it's frustrating to follow because we don't necessarily have the same insight um, that you would have with high school kids. It's a little harder because they don't talk like the as you say a lot, Sean. The portal guys don't talk as much. No. And what you're getting is typically, what's the word I want to use? Information that might be tailored to the way people want it to be tailored. Mm-hmm. Like if you're getting it from one school, they're going to tell you it favors them. Mm-hmm. You know, bias, bias information. Yeah. So it's it's hard because I thought they had Mazuka. Mm-hmm. All right, what's next, Abby? Will Tommy Hill be a wide receiver or defensive back this spring? Oh, that's a great question. Or in Lincoln? Mm-hmm. Oh, I w- do you think he's? I mean, does he fit? Like, is, if if he doesn't like where he's at with this coaching staff, 
you know, in, in the hierarchy of depth charts, will he stick around? I mean, that, I think it's a legit question. Yeah, we just talked about all the new faces they're bringing in seemingly by the day at wide receiver. Like, you're talking about a guy that yeah. transitioned from defensive back to receiver last season. Like, where is he going to stack up amongst all these hand-picked guys and guys that have, have proven it at that position before? I mean, I, well, that brings in the discussion, does he stay at receiver? I mean, does he stay at receiver? And there's the return man discussion where Kemp, Mm-hmm. Billy Kemp, the Virginia transfer, automatically shifts into that one, too. He was their return man all four years at Virginia, punts and kickoffs. Now, Tommy Hill, I would think, goes back to DB. And maybe it's what you're looking chance at. chance here. Yeah, and I think, I guess if I were Tommy Hill, I'm always, I'm always willing to give everybody life advice. I'd go try beat Malcolm Hartsog out. I'd try to beat Malcolm Hartsog out for that other corner spot. Uh, Hartsog beat him out. Last year mm-hmm. doesn't mean the competition's over. I don't think you're going to beat out uh, Newsom, Quentin Newsom. I think Newsom's locked in, but maybe he can switch. Maybe he can go back to corner and challenge for that other corner job that that Hartsog won. Mm-hmm. Now Malcolm Hartsog's a good player. I'm not. He's good. He proved himself at a pretty high level. Absolutely. Last year. So, yeah, Sean, you're right. You'll wonder after spring if he's one of the guys. That determines this. This isn't going to work. Well, you get a free pass on a coaching change. He's a one-time transfer. You can also just. Re- I'm not saying he's going to do this, but you can technically just retire. Yeah, he's not going to do that. No, no. But like, Tommy Hill, I know, wants to play in the NFL. I know. I've had that conversation with him. He'll do what he has to do. It's now. He. I'm glad you brought him up, Abby. He's a really interesting discussion. Really, remember, he's a starting corner in Nebraska to start last year. He was their top return man. He said Fisher said they might put his name on the building someday. He, he thought he was that good. So there is talent, and maybe a new coach gets it out of him. All right, uh, we got time for two more, Abby. What do you got? How many more high school kids does Nebraska still add to this class, and who is at the top of their list? Well, as of show taping time, they're bringing in four right now, and I would say all four are potential live additions. Um, Breaking down that list, two are from uh, the same high school, Arlington Martin. Um, You're going to have Jeremiah Charles coming in as well as Ismail Smith Flores, Bob Wager coached them. I would like to think they're in pretty good shape with those two yeah, kids. Yeah. Um, Demetrius Bell, um, he's kind of the four-star guy that's available that you don't know know why he's still available. From Nashville. Right. And kind of reminds me of Ethan Nation. Like, why was Ethan Nation still available for Nebraska? Like, you know, it, it, it just doesn't add up. So hmm. I'll be curious. I think they can get him as well um, because he's coming in late. And then the other visitor is from St. John Bosco in California, the number one high school team in the nation, Sua Lafoy, Lafoytu. I, I just butchered that, I know, so don't don't clip me on that one. Um, but he'll be in as well this weekend. Defensive and, line. And he's 6'4", 285. Yeah, and he didn't – you know, he, uh, that number one team in the nation, when you look at his stats, not they're not particularly impressive, but you do have to look at that competition, number one team in the country. And he's been recruited by a lot of, lot of name brand schools. Mm-hmm. All right, Abby. Final question. Our last one. What is your favorite Big Ten city to cover Nebraska in? Ooh, Ann Arbor. I love that scene. Uh, I love, I love the big stadium. I like flying into Detroit. Mexican restaurants in Detroit. Yeah, a really good one. Um, <laughs> strong, no liquor license. Um, so no margarita. You just kind of sort of imagine you're drinking a mar- margarita if you want to do that. Um, I um, <laughs> could you get could you order one without the tequila, like a virgin? Who the hell would margarita? do that, Sean? <laughs> that is something you could do. Probably. Yeah. I'll do a virgin margarita. Yeah, I'd like probably to probably arrest you. The, the, <laughs> this guy's definitely a cop. Well, I told you. I think I thought I think they thought I was a cop. Um, walking in there, I um. Yeah, the, the Detroit, flying into Detroit, staying in a nice hotel, and then driving into Ann Arbor is a great experience. And then the big stadium. So what's your, you guys' favorite? Madison. You know, I know really? a lot of Nebraska fans had awful experiences there the first couple times out there, but it's just such a fun town. I love the student union, the lake right there. I love the bar scene, State Street brats. Okay. They got the tornado room, steakhouse. Like, I mean, it checks every box. Sean? I, I'll say Madison for my favorite, but since I, I want to give another one that surprised me this year after we did it right was Purdue. Um, staying on the Union Campus Hotel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. First of all, that might be 
the nicest hotel property in the Big Ten. It might be the best hotel property in, in the, the Big, Big Ten. Ten. I'm not the Union Square, or the Marriott Union Hotel, and below it is like the student union with like 15 restaurants, and they're good restaurants, like sports bar. And- why, why would you say that hotel is so good? I have my thoughts, but why uh, would the you access? Say that? We walk to the stadium. Mm-hmm. And the free breakfast we got comped. Oh, mm-hmm. God. That restaurant was so good. Yeah. And you're right there. You're in the heart of everything. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's the student union. It's like a New York City <laughs> level hotel. Imagine staying at the Nebraska Student West Union. Lafayette. Yeah. Like, you're in the heart of it. Yeah. And uh, it, it has a theme. Like, it's a historic theme. They so gave the, us, like, cookies. And a bottle of wine. A bottle of... Per, uh, prosciutto? Prosecco. Prose- don't... God, I knew I'd, <laughs> I should have just said wine. I Not, tried to... Take another step and say what it was. Sparkling wine. I'm not a wine, much of a wine drinker. That wasn't, Sean, I mean, that was a, that was a, yeah, that, that hotel was nice. And somehow we got it for like under 200 bucks a night, which people mm. there were like, how did you do that? Mm. Like, I don't know. We Change just got lucky. Game. We got lucky. Change the game. Now we have to stay there every time. Every time. Yeah. There's no going back. <laughs> so that that's my, uh, Madison though is my number one. I mean, tor- Tornado Room steak, Steakhouse, State Street Brats. Yeah. You just go down the line. Bassett Street Brunch Club. Getting, a, be- getting a beer, especially if it's like an early enough game where the weather hasn't gone completely terrible. Like you can sit, go to the Union, get a pitcher of New Glarus and sit up there on the deck over the lake. Like it's beautiful. Melvin Gordon game um, when he went off and it was really cold. Remember that game? Mm-hmm. It snowed. Dan Hoppen was working with us back then. And all he brought with him was like a windbreaker. <laughs> No hat, no, no stocking cap. It was freezing. And in the it was just, too. and we, you know, we walked everywhere down there, and, uh-huh. and he was not. It was, it was a rude awakening of what Wisconsin uh, weather was. Couldn't he have just bought a coat somewhere? Well, he, he bought a, he bought a stocking cap at a bar, old uh, fashioned, which bought, another, another go to restaurant. A bar. Yeah, no joke. All right, when we come back, we'll close the show. We'll talk Big Ten national headlines next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Line Show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Robin Washa. Thanks again for joining us here. First ever episode streamed on YouTube, as well as all of our great affiliates in Kearney, Omaha, Fremont, uh, Grand Island, and, and here in Lincoln as well. And then downloading us on the Husker Online podcast channels, anywhere you can find podcasts. But final segment, we'd like to talk Big Ten, maybe some national stuff in there. Uh, I want to get right to this. Is anybody at all surprised that Jim Harbaugh staying at Michigan? Yeah. I, mean, yeah. I am a little surprised. A little bit. Yeah, Did he, he get turned down again? That's a good question. I don't know. I, it's, it's hard to say. Um, he interviewed with Denver. We know that he had a virtual interview with the Denver Broncos. I know that. And I know he had subsequent conversations with the front office. Are they going a different direction? Can't, hey, Rob, they might be able to get Sean Payton. Um, maybe. Maybe. Um, maybe. I would think he would have had a shot at with the Indianapolis Colts. It is peculiar, Sean, that he's going back. It's a, By the way, it's an annual conversation, which is good news, bad news. It means your coach is good enough to be sought after by the NFL, but it gets old, I bet, at Michigan. I think it's gotten old with Harbaugh and Ward Manuel. They're not – they don't speak. They can I read an, I read an article last night that was reminiscent of Bo Pelini and Sean Eichhorst in that – Harbaugh communicates with his AD through intermediaries, which is never a great sign. No. Um, the, and in fact, the, uh, the president of Michigan made the announcement via Twitter that Harbaugh would be back. And that was president. kind of a weird announcement. With a picture of himself. Santa, <laughs> like celebrating Santa Ono is a new president, a relatively new president. And Dan Wolken of USA Today wrote, so the president – says he's informed the athletic director that his football coach is staying and the AD isn't mentioned in the statement. I'm sure everything's just fine. (laughs) But he's back. Um, He hasn't signed an extension. Uh, He hasn't signed a contract extension yet, but it appears to be in the works. All right, let's move on. Um, Other order uh, of business in the Big Ten. C.J. Stroud going pro. um, And 
tell you what, that's a major blow for Ohio State. I don't know if people thought he was coming back, but think about this. They had Dylan a month ago. They had Dylan Riola and C.J. Stroud on their football team. Riola coming, Stroud there. All of a sudden, they're, <laughs> they're taking Tristan Jebbia in a quarterback – from Pierre, South Dakota, that Nebraska, very good quarterback, might I add, that Nebraska could have had. His I mean, name. Um, now I'm blanking on why. I'm sorry, I, I put you on I'm blanking on his name. Um, don't I don't have my notes in front of me, but um, he played, really stretched my mind you. here. Uh, but they had two guys that like Nebraska once had or could have, mm-hmm. and that's at Ohio State now. So their quarterback. Lincoln Keenholz. Lincoln Keenholz. Keenholz. Lincoln Keenholz. Um, he was going to Ohio State as well, but their quarterback position has taken a huge turn. Yeah, and I mean, maybe I wasn't paying enough attention about C.J. Stroud. I just assumed like it was a, a foregone conclusion that he was going pro. At one point, he indicated he might come back. Yeah, I guess. In the but, collective game. I, I mean, mean, he's I, a consensus top five pick. He was a $4 million collective guy. Yeah. He, I mean, he, but, he could have garnered $4 million. Rick Neuheisel said he's a $35 million guaranteed contract guy in the NFL. Okay. I mean, so. he could be the number one overall pick in the draft. So, like, Well, he, he, Bryce Young would maybe sure. have a – I said could. Oh, could. He's, he, I, mean, I mean, Robin, a lot of teams need quarterbacks, right? Yeah. yeah. The Bears have the number one overall pick, and they're going to trade it ideally for them, uh, to a team that needs a quarterback. So the Excellent. number one overall pick will be a quarterback. Yeah, and, I, and Rob, I will tell you this. I'd take Stroud over Bryce Young. I would. Um, but it's, you know. Because the running stuff is, I mean, the NFL, you can't really be a runner. Yeah, you can. And yeah. make it. Yeah. Sure. I mean, it, like, you got to be smart. you got to be a smart runner. I mean, there's a lot of running QBs out there right now in, in the playoffs right now. Josh Allen, Daniel Jones. Jalen Holmes. I mean, Hurts. I'm saying like you can't be like RG3 or Lamar Jackson necessarily and sustain. Right. I mean, there's a greater amount of risk involved. But anyway, with Stroud, I mean, again, I don't know if it was a, a stunner, but certainly, like you said, there's no denying Ohio State's quarterback situation looks a whole lot different than it did even a month ago. Well, you can wind this back to Harbaugh a little bit going back. Why is Harbaugh going back? Harbaugh's got his quarterback back. Alabama doesn't have their quarterback back. Ohio State doesn't have their quarterback Georgia back. Doesn't. Georgia doesn't have their like Michigan's getting a lot of guys back. Yeah, Michigan got Corum back, uh, Blake Corum. They got their quarterback back. Well, let's put it this way. Michigan, is the, the expectation is national championship at Michigan now. Mm-hmm. They've been in the playoffs two straight times. Mm-hmm. They have all this talent back. They got their head coach back. I mean, they'll expect national championship. Do the NCAA issues with Michigan <laughs> – I mean, is that anything, or is that like slap on the wrist, it's, I, move on? It, I mean, would they, would the president, think about this, think about this way, would Santa Ono, the president of Michigan, welcome back a Harbaugh with open arms publicly if he was at all concerned about these NCAA issues? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Now, they do have another issue at Michigan, and that is a their co-offensive coordinator, um, is under arrest for for computer. <laughs> Other than yeah, that, for computer crimes. Whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa. Yeah, can you get in the? Uh, no, like, they don't know. They, they, all they're saying is computer crimes. Like he, they said, they like broke. He not broke in, but like got access to computer systems that he wasn't allowed access to. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, but, he, but, but it's, he, it's pretty veiled. Yeah, they've they've put him under arrest, and he is suspended Jeez. with pay. He's suspended with pay. Right. Better now. be careful, Robin, of that transfer portal login. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> no, we we don't have. We I had a transfer portal login for about three months, and then they secured it up even more. Don't incriminate yourself on camera. Yeah, they they said uh, an employee reported <laughs> fraudulent activity involving someone accessing university email accounts without authorization. Upon further investigation, it was found that a crime may have been committed. Matt Weiss. Weiss. So there's that. <laughs> there's that as co-offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach is currently under arrest. But the – no, I think that answer your question, no, I don't – now, here's the thing. You have to say this. Jim Harbaugh, it's a level one accusation against him, which is he lied to investigators. So it's not small. It's not a level two. No, it's level one, and, and he did mislead investigators – which isn't good, but again, they don't seem overly concerned about it at Michigan. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I want to get your thoughts on this. Trish and Jebbia, first of all, like still has years of eligibility remaining. <laughs> Would it be a seventh year? Yeah. Yeah, because he was here for the last year of Mike Riley. Um, you know, he came in in that 27. 27- battled. There's quite yeah. a battle for that starting well, job. Well, in 2018, he was a redshirt freshman. 
Okay. Who who did he bat? Who did he lose the starting job? Adrian to? Martinez. Adrian. Yeah, to Adrian. Yeah, yeah. And it was a battle. I mean, remember, remember he the left at the end of fall camp. Remember how that was a huge Frost, announcement. Frost kind of mismanaged that when you look back. He could have done the what Jim Harbaugh did this year and said, "We're going to let one guy start one game, the other guy start the other game." And just kind of strung it out. Yeah, just leave it open. Don't but say, he, this is our clear starter. I mean, even if he is, just say that there's a competition still. Remember that Sunday? That was a Sunday announcement. It was big. I mean, it was a yeah, big and then deal. at the Monday press conference, uh, Jebbia bolded town. I, I remember yeah. asking Frost at the press conference about that, mm-hmm. and he was kind of surprised that I had already known. Yeah, Jebbia, Jebbia was gone. I go, to Jebbia practice today? No. He lost the job. I mean, it was announced on Sunday that Adrian yes. won the job, and Jebbia was gone the next day. Seventh year senior, grad transfer. He'll be able to play next fall as long as his medical hardship waiver is approved by the NCAA. But he got beat out, or was he hurt at Oregon State this he year? He missed the entire 2021 season from a serious hamstring injury that he suffered in 2020. What, what about 2022? What was going on? Uh, Just beat out, I think. Yeah, Oregon was, State was good this year. Yeah, Top I mean, 25 team. They uh, they were 10-3, and three, I think. Mm-hmm. So. They won 10. He was. I mean, he played in four games last year. Okay. All right. Well, it should be interesting. Uh, got Nebraska basketball Saturday. Lots of recruiting news to follow. As um, there's after this week, guys, one more week on the road for coaches. Uh, so they have this next full week, and that's it. Um, so there'll be a lot of recruiting things happening. Uh, still in the next week. You're going to get on HuskerOnline.com. We will keep you up to date with the latest. Thanks for joining us. And for those watching on YouTube, uh, hopefully uh, we didn't scare you away. Love to see you back again next week. Uh, For Stephen Sipple, Abby Barmore, Robin Washett, our producer, uh, Megan Guttner on the back end. Thanks for watching. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.